So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today. Especially if you're with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, we're so honored. We always welcome our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you come to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So our hope is that you'd come back and check us out a few times. We'd love to be your spiritual family. Hey, if you are watching online, will you do me a favor and go ahead and just uh, like, share, comment on the stream. Let everybody know that you're attending church digitally where you are. If you're in here right now, take out your phone, check in, let everybody know you're uh, at church on Facebook. And uh, man, send a text message to someone so you can come to the next service at 11 o'clock. Welcome to 930. Come on, how many of y'all excited to be here at 930? I feel like I have just a little bit of extra something in my step today. I'm like, I got 30 more minutes. And, uh, you know, some, but I was late to church today. Anybody else late to church? I mean, just it's like, wait, Pastor, you pushed us back 30 minutes and I got even more late. So that's just how it works when you change time. So, uh, man, we're just so glad that everybody's here. We're starting a brand new series today called Let's talk family. And what I've noticed as a pastor, uh, just, you know, being in ministry for you know almost two decades now, you know, one of the number one things that people struggle with right now in life is family. And most of the issues that you and I have come from either the family that we came from, come on somebody, right? Or your, your, your issues come from the family you're currently in right now. And so, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about it, and we want to talk about it as a church. So we're going to take the next several weeks and talk about uh, family. So I want to give you a couple of ground rules when it comes to family, though, because anytime the pastor talks about it, he always talks about it in a way that, I don't know, anyone at the church that I come from, you always felt like the pastor was saying, look, I got the perfect family, and you should be like me. I'm not saying that. So um, I'm not speaking as an expert today. I'm speaking as a learner like you, and we're going to go to the Bible and learn uh, what what it's like to have a godly family. And uh, I don't got it all figured out, but I know the one who does. So we're going to go to him. We're going to ask him about our family. Secondly, um, I want to really talk to you um, uh, more about certain areas of the family. So this is not an exhaustive series list. Like once you get through these weeks of family, you're going to be like, everything's going to be great. That's not how it works. So this is not the exhaustive list. And then finally, I'm going to speak sensitively because I know that when I say family, that already comes, becomes a, a sensitive topic and a sensitive subject. And things already come to your mind when you start to hear the word family. And I'm going to be sensitive about that because man, we all come from weird, unique backgrounds and we're all, come on, how many of y'all know we're all a product of our function of our family or our dysfunction? Most of it's dysfunction. And so uh, we're going to talk about that today, and I think it's going to be a great, great series. Hopefully, we all learn and grow from it. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today you have a word for us, and, and what's great about families, God, that's what you created. And I pray that today you would give us some indications, some maybe some principles, some help, some steps that we could take as a church family inside of our own families, God, so that when we get healthy, God, uh, the world gets healthy. I pray that you would speak to us in, in only the way that you can, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, uh, how many of y'all have ever uh, coached a little league uh, team? Anybody ever coached a little t- league team online or anything like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's when you when you coach teams of kids, it can be complicated. It could be hard. It could be difficult because you know, in so many ways, what you're really doing is it's half babysitting and it's half trying to teach them something, right? And, and what I've realized is obviously the younger the kid, the more it's babysitting. The older the kid, the more you're trying to train. But I was teaching my boys, they were about nine, I think they're maybe nine years old. And uh, about a few years back, they're 12 now, so about a few years back, they were nine years old. And we had just moved to San Antonio. I have not lived here my whole life. This is a brand new city for me. And so what we wanted to do was before we planted our church, we wanted to just get to know the community. And one of the ways that we thought would be a good idea is for me to coach uh, my kids YMCA basketball team 
And um, I thought, because I like sports and I watch basketball, so I must know how to do that really, really well. That's what my thought process was like. And so I got my twins on the team. I became one of the coaches. And I decided that I was going to be, you know, the best basketball coach of a nine-year-old Little League YMCA team ever. And so what I did is I went and I tried to study what to train them in. I tried to walk through what to train them in. And, and we finally got to that first practice. I realized I knew nothing about coaching Little League basketball. And what was worse was that when I got into the game, it really showed. And so what was funny is basketball is a game that has a design, which means it has a way of doing things. It has rules about it. It has ways that you do it. And if you don't work within the rules of the game, come on, you don't win at the game. And so we had, I think, baby, correct me if I'm wrong, eight or nine games that season, and we didn't win one. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not, but I, I don't do well with not winning. And so after about the third or fourth game, I started to get really frustrated. I turned into that college coach. What's that guy's name that used to just toss the chairs across the way? You know what I'm talking about? And I just started screaming and yelling. I was benching my own kids. I'm like, you ain't doing nothing right. And, and I, I was mad and I was upset. And my wife came to me halfway through the season. She said, you realize you're not teaching them the basics. Because my practices were like, hey, y'all just come up and just throw the ball in the hoop. Whoever can get it in the hoop wins. Why? Because I didn't know what I was doing. And so I tried to feel my way around it, but, but I didn't teach them the rules of the game. Come on. I didn't teach them how to play it. And guess what? We did not win at all. Now, why do I tell you that? Family was designed by God. And every designer has a way. Come on. They designed it. To, to be a certain way. But you need to know this. Maybe this is news to some of you. Is that you were even designed specifically and uniquely. And guess what? This is what I love about God. You were designed to win. How many are thankful for that? Like, I'm thankful that God designed me not to be kind of like a mediocre, middle-of-the-pack person. God designed us to win. Everybody say win. First Corinthians talks about it. He says that you are going to be a winner in life. He says, if you're going to run, I like what he says. He says, don't you realize this is Paul, the apostle Paul, which was, uh, you know, a great preacher of the gospel. And he was speaking to a church in Corinth. This is his letter to them. He's saying, hey, listen, if you're going to run, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You and I need to run to win. But you and I need to know how to run so that we can win. It's like those kids under my tutelage as a basketball coach, God help them. I hope they're, they got another coach and I didn't ruin basketball for them. Because I didn't teach them how to win. And so therefore, since they didn't know how to win, how many of y'all know it's pretty easy? They didn't win. And so I've realized as a pastor, talking to people and families, so many of us don't know how to win in our families. And here's why. We, we have a weird odd. We sometimes can quantify our winning in our families based on things that are not of God. But God created family. And the only way you really win is doing it God's way. And so if you don't do it God's way, you don't really win. But the reason we don't do it God's way is because we're kind of influenced by other things. We win the world's way. One of the ways that the world tries to tell us to win is by comparison. Now, I know this is maybe not any of you in this church, other churches, but like I 
I know that like sometimes families can get into this comparison trap where now you see somebody like it used to be where you saw your neighbor's boat on the street and you were like, I deserve a boat. Or you saw your neighbor's car. Come on. You had the cool car on the street and then your neighbor went and upgrade. Come on. Everybody say upgrade, right? Like they just got that car and you're like, ooh, that looks nice. That looks nice. I think we need, we need that. And so you started comparing. And now it's even harder because on social media, it's one giant comparison trap. Because all you see is the vacation that they went on and the house that they just bought and their kids that just got, you know, straight A's and you're like kids eating paste over here. And you're just like everything that you could see about your family is not that. And so it's the it is the keeping up with the Joneses flow. Right. And you don't even know you're doing it. But you think if I can just keep up with them, that's a win. But you've done that before and you realize you've been doing that maybe right now and you realize that's not winning. Another way that, that we, we get caught in like the world's way of winning, we get caught in it is, um, is, is what I call cultural winning. It's amazing. I don't know if you know this. It's amazing to, to recognize and realize how much of the way you do family is based on a TV show you watch growing up. Seriously. You, like, you do it because you watch Family Matters growing up. Come on, how many of y'all watch Family Matters growing up, right? Full House. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Full House. If my house, if my house looks like Full House, then I win. Or you saw Home Improvement with Tim Allen. Come on, y'all, all the guys in here just buying tools and grunting, you know. Or you, you're, you saw some on Netflix now. Or you watched a movie. Or you, did you know there was a recent study that said a third of American fam, uh, couples broke up because they saw it on a TV show? Like, that's, that's how people are. Like, it, it, there's, there's cultural and entertainment world and so whether it was in a film or you saw it in a music video or maybe you saw it in a tv show on netflix on amazon prime or you were stuck late at night watching what you know you shouldn't have been watching and now you 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 have moved that into your life and so if your life doesn't look like what the world says then you're not winning but let's go back family was created by god to win god's way and so we we need to know what God's way of winning is inside of our family. I'll show it to you in Genesis chapter 1. What's God's win? Uh, I'll show it to you. He says this, and this is kind of the creation story, if you don't know anything about that. And he says this. He's, the, the Bible says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And male and female, he created them. There it is. That's the marriage union, the first one. Then God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and faithful and fruitful be fruitful, multiply, and then fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals and the scurry all over the ground. So in summary, what he was really trying to say is, look, y'all get married. And then y'all have some kids. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And so y'all have some kids. And then, and, then, and then he says this, and this is the win. He highlights it, pulls us to the win. He gets to the win. Lead the world to love God. If you missed it, I'll put it back up. It's in verse 28. It says, fill the earth and govern it. The whole purpose of the, the family unit was God's, it was like God's way of saving the world was the family. It's why every culture throughout history, if you watch and you trace back to culture's downfall, it's always that the disintegration, it started with the disintegration of the family. Why? Because God designed the family to help save the world. That was his goal. His goal. That was his hope. That was his plan from the beginning. That's why he created us the way that he created us. I better, maybe better said would be God created the family under the equipping and accountability of the local church to advance the gospel and the Great Commission. 
that you and I have a responsibility as a family to reach the world. So in summary, if I was to give you the idea, because it begs the question, well, then what's the winning family look like? Here's what a winning family looks like under God. It's a group of flawed humans loving God and leading the world to love God. Some of you are like, well, what about like, what about what about what 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 like, you know, TV says? What about my favorite actor? What about my 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 favorite movie and how I always used to what about what about what mom says? What about where I come from? No, family to me is what grandpa told me. A family to me is what, man, what I went through and I experienced. Family to me is proving somebody right. Family to me is proving somebody wrong. No, no. Family is none of those things. A winning family is a group of flawed humans loving God and leading the world to love God. And so if, if you can, here's the great thing about that, is if that's not you and you have failed at that, welcome to the club. I'm the leader of it. And what's great is if you read the Bible, anybody ever do this? This is, a, this is silly Christian stuff. I can get on them because I'm one of them. So if it's not you, good job. So I'm just saying, like, we say stuff like this. If you're struggling in family and you come up and tell somebody that and they say, well, just read the Bible. And then you find some families in the Bible and then just do that. The problem is, is if you actually read, people who don't read the Bible say stuff like that, number one. And number two, when you actually do read the Bible, you go, man, this is messed up. So I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you just a list of them. These are just a few of the families in the Bible that if you just use that as a caveat and you felt like, man, I'm a failure in a family, welcome to the club, you're going to be all right. Because look, I'll show it to you. Adam and Eve, go, go back. Adam and Eve, their relationship brought sin into the world. So the very family that God brought into the world to help save the world actually started sin to bring it into the world. Congratulations, Adam and Eve. Oh, and they raised a son to kill the other one. That's bad parenting. All right. Noah had a drinking problem and embarrassed his whole family. He walked around naked. It was crazy. Go read the Bible. It's awesome. <laughs> Jacob raised sons and sold their brother into slavery. I get that a little bit because, like, I got five boys and none of them like each other. <laughs> Jesus' family, you would think, okay, most of them be good. But then Jesus' family is maybe the most messed up. And they left him at church for three days. So, so if, you're, if you're a family that's failed recently, or maybe you're in the current process of failure, or you look back on your life and your failure, just want you know you're in good company, and the Bible's full of them. And that's what I love about the Bible, is the Bible is not a picture of a bunch of perfect families. The Bible is literally a, 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 a kind of a, a blueprint of what God's trying to do through you. God is not trying to paint perfect families in your life. He's trying to write a story. The Bible is full of stories that God has done, and he's writing this story through people's lives and how God's redeeming power could come in and not just fix you, but redeem you and make you better and give you the reason to be the best version of yourself. And so you and I might not be doing it all right, but that's okay, because you know what? He's writing a story through you, and he's writing a story through your marriage, and he's writing a story through your kids. And so if you're a single parent in here and you were like, you have regrets about how it turned out, that's okay. God's writing a story through you. And so if you're a mixed blended family, maybe you got kids from different families, you're trying to do the best you can and it wasn't what you planned. Let me just tell you, no one got married hoping that their families would never make it. But you're right here feeling like, man, God, I feel like I don't have a winning family. Like I never had a winning family. No, 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 no. Go back to the Bible. Bible is a winning family. It's flawed humans working together to love God and help other people to love God. You could do that. You have a step to take. 
Or it could be you in here right now. Maybe you're an empty nester and you feel like, man, I don't even have my kids in my family anymore. I don't talk to some of my kids or some of my, I feel like they're estranged. They're not doing what they need to do. You have hope. God's writing a story. Come on. It's, we're talking family today. And what God's hope is for all of us. So if, if God wants us to win, I'm going to take the next several weeks and we're going to highlight certain parts of the family. And, and maybe we could grow together in it. And honestly, I could talk for six months on family. I, I, it's the most relevant topic. But I'm going to highlight over the next few weeks a few things. But today, I'm just going to give you maybe a few principles. Again, not the exhaustive list. I want us to give you a few principles that I think, hey, maybe if we could take these steps, we can win in our family. So regardless of where you're at with your family, Maybe you have a great family. Maybe you don't have any family and everyone in between. You can all, we can all take these steps to win. Amen? Number one, number one is this. How to win in families. Number one, have a game plan. Great winning families have a game plan. I call this vision. Everybody say vision. You, you and I, we need to have a game plan, a vision for our family. It needs to be clear enough to write down it needs to be compelling enough for us to chase after. We need to have a vision for your family so that you and I know what to do. I like what Habakkuk chapter 2 says. It says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Everybody say vision. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he may. There it is. Oh, run. Who reads it? There's our scripture that we started off with in Corinthians, that we're running this race in life. We're, we're trying to do well. And if you're going to run well, you need to have some vision. What is a vision? A vision is simply this. It's a mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction of what should be. Uh, you got this idea of what you feel like would be the best case scenario for your family. And you have some conviction in your life that leads you to be disciplined in all of the steps it takes to get to that. A clear and compelling vision, come on, it helps everyone move towards the same direction. We all need to run towards the same area. And honestly, vision will help us define so many of our yeses and our noes. But good vision is not, let's just not kill each other. That's not good vision. Hey, let's just make it. That's not vision. Hey, you stay over there. I'll do my thing. You do your thing. And hopefully we'll get to the end of our life and it'll be okay. That's not vision. Vision is something that helps define our, it, it, it defines our yeses and our noes. It helps us um, restrain us and empower us. My wife and I, we have our kids. They go to bed every night between 745 and 8 o'clock. Every night. Now I'm going to give you some highlights of how we do things in our family. These are not prescriptive. These are descriptive. I'm not saying you need to go home and do that, okay? But I am just giving you an idea of what we do because it's, it's important that you understand some of the things that we've learned that have helped our, our family from people who are much more wiser than I am. Our kids go to bed between 7.45 and 8. The reason that, that they do that is because we have a vision for our family. The vision for my family, again, it's not I want to make it. The vision for my family is that I want my children to be healthy. I want to, I want to raise healthy children that have healthy boundaries. Come on. That, that, that can walk out a healthy life for themselves. I want to teach them health now so they don't have to catch up later when they're adults. So, so if that's the vision, then 
Here's what's easy. When they ask me if they want ice cream at 7.55, it defines my yeses and my noes. It is even, it, maybe I'm feeling good that day and I just want to, you know, sure. No, 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 you're about to go to bed. Or they want to say, Dad, I want to stay up and watch, you know, Spider-Man. And it's, it's 8 o'clock. No, 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 no. We have, we have vision for our house. We have vision for, it helps define, you see what I'm saying? So you don't, you're not left to your personality. Because some of y'all are mean and you say no all the time. And then some of y'all are nice and you say yes all the time. So you're not left to your personality. You're not left to your feelings. If you had a good day, then you're nice. And then they can stay up. If you had a bad day, then they don't. And then your kids, listen, you and I can raise families with kids that are up and like their whole life is a roller coaster because your whole life is a roller coaster. And so I'm saying if you have a vision for your life, I'm just I'm not saying you have to put them in bed at eight o'clock. But, man, I'm telling you what, some of the best families I know have rhythms with their kids and their kids know it intuitively. My kids have been in rhythm so long that they don't even know it's eight o'clock. They start they start walking towards their bedroom around that time. I'm like, where are you going? Like, I think it's time to bed. I don't even know what's going on. Why, why is that? No, it's not always. Come on, like, that's a perfect case scenario. I'm not saying it's always like that. Sometimes we, it, we drag them to their bed. You know, it just is what it is. But I'm saying you, we got to create rhythms and have a game plan and have a vision. And it's amazing to me how some of us, we have game plans for our finances. You have a vision for your health. You have a vision for your job. You have a vision for, you know, you want to make a, a table outside in your garage. You have a vision for the car that you're restoring. You have a vision for the Pinterest board you're trying to recreate inside of your house. You're trying to, you have a vision for a lot of things. You don't have a vision for your family. So a good easy step, just easy. How do you do that? Or just easy step. Go and ask your family. I'll sit down and just take five minutes. Hey, what do we want to be known for? And then start, start taking steps to get to that. Number two is this. So number one, you have a game plan. Number two, be self-aware. Be self-aware. I might say this every week till Jesus comes back. This might be at one point in every one of my messages. We need families to be self with members that are self-aware. Let me, let me tell you what that means. This is self-awareness. The ability to see yourself clearly. Everybody say clearly. And objectively. Everybody say objectively. Now, here's what I found interesting about seeing me. I see myself in the best possible light all the time. Anybody else? Come on online. Jesus is seeing your hand. Come on. I've just noticed... Have you noticed that you could convince yourself of just about anything? I can find a Bible verse for that. Pretty good at it. Take it way out of context, but I can find a Bible verse for just about anything. And, and, and if you don't see yourself clearly and objectively, you're going to have some problems in family. Um, 2 Corinthians, this is again another letter from Paul to the church. He says, examine yourselves. Everybody say, Me. You know you're the biggest problem in every family? You want to know what the biggest problem in every family? Raise your hand. Raise it right now. Just come on. Just humor me like you put on deodorant this morning. Everybody raise your hand. Just everybody. Everybody raise your hand. There you go. You know, you're looking at them. The biggest problem in every family is me. And that's why Paul says, look at yourselves. See whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Stop walking around when, you know, you're trying to fix your wife. It would be best if you just fix yourself. And that's going to take a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort. And you, you know, you're trying to fix everyone. Fix you. See you right. See, have some self-awareness that, that you got to know 
where you are so you know where you're going. Have you ever been to SeaWorld in here? Come on, SeaWorld's in San Antonio. Anybody ever been to SeaWorld or some major theme park? Disneyland, Disney World, most of you. And, and when you go to those places, they're so big that it's hard to know where you're going. The other day I was at SeaWorld. It was like 155 degrees. <laughs> I don't know why we went. But I'm there with my five kids. And you, know, you ever gone to something and you're just like, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> I just immediately. This is terrible. What were we thinking? I'm sitting there. And, and so my kids wanted to go to this. Um, uh, this, this it was like a, a, a certain ride that they just came out with. I think it's called the Stingray or something. like that. It's like a wooden roller coaster. You know, it's kind of a newer one. And so, like, I didn't really know where it was, but I'm a man. Come on, guys. Right? I don't need no map. I know where I'm going. And so we, we started walking in 155 degree weather. Like 1,000% humidity. And, and you ever felt like you're just getting baked in your own juices, you know? I, just want, I want to give you a visual of what's going on, all right? You're like, that's too much, Pastor. It's a little much. <sighs> Sorry, I, I, I didn't preach last week. I got a whole stuff in me. I'm just, just going to come out. And so, um, so I'm walking around, and, and like we were walking for like 15 minutes, and we could not find this thing. And I'm like, and my kids are like, Dad, please, just look at the map. I'm like, No. We walked around a little bit more, and I finally got to the end of myself. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all ever get to the end of yourself? I get to the end of myself. I walk over to the map. And the map has this interesting thing. I'm going to show you. It has this, like, so I don't know if you know this about this map. But the saving grace on this map. Anybody ever done this, right? When you look at this map, nothing matters until you find the what? You are here. That's what you're looking for. Because I was trying to get like over here somewhere and I was over here somewhere and I realized I didn't know what I was doing. And so much of us in life, y'all, come on, if we're honest, you and I, we do this all the time. God, we got it. And you wander, we wander and wander and, and your kids are begging you. Will you just look at the map? Let go. Will you, will you just follow the directions? Will you just do what it says you could do? Come on. And self-awareness helps you define you are here so that, why? So that you know where to go. You can't get where you're going if you don't know where you are. Self-awareness does two main things inside of every family. If you're taking us, write this down. This is so good. Self-awareness helps you know your role. It helps you know the role that you play. You and I, we all, every family has a role. There are kids, child, there's children, there's parents, there's husbands, there's wives. And listen, every parent, every family has roles that people play. And I'll just tell, I'm just telling you. Every statistic in every history will show you of any family that fell. It was always started with the P 
people in the family that didn't know their role and didn't play them. It was a husband who wasn't present around to, to be with their kids and to be a dad. It was a wife that didn't care, pray, and respect for her husband. It was a child that didn't honor and obey their parents. When a kid, when, come on, when a family has members in it that don't know their role and don't play their role well, the family falls. And self-awareness helps you know your role and play it well. Second thing self-awareness does is it helps you identify the areas of weakness that you and I I have. You, I want you to know you, 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 you have a weakness. I have a weakness. I know. It's groundbreaking. You're not strong in every area. I know. It's okay. Group hug. But, but self-awareness helps you identify those weaknesses so that, come on, so that you could, you could take a step in the right direction to be better. What's an easy step you could do? Identify the role that you play in the family and the weakness that you're improving on. Just write one thing down. Last one is this and I'm done. Last one is this. Keep God in the center. So you had the first one, which was have a game plan, have a vision for your life. The second one was be self-aware. Great families, great winning families, keep God at the center. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you as well. Have you ever noticed that it's really hard to keep God first when like everything else is clamoring to be first or you need to restructure things sometimes sometimes you're trying to make sure your kids are making it sometimes your family your marriage needs some work and so you're trying to figure out like god how do i keep you first when they're you know, like it seems like everything else needs to be first the way you keep him first is to keep him center yeah, right. Right. it's it's not so much about um about priority it's it's really about position so so like the 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 god god designed the family i want i want i want you to hear this god designed the family to be at the center of it. So he has to be at the center of your kids. And he has to be at the center of your, fam- of your marriage. And he has to be at the center of your personal life. He's got to be at the center or it doesn't work. And I know like that seems like a churchy Christian thing that every pastor says. But I, I want to maybe illustrate it as I'm wrapping up. I'm closing with this. If God created the family where he was at the center... And if we don't have God at the center of our families, then we can't be surprised if it doesn't work. The other, uh, a few, maybe it was three or four years ago, my wife was, um, she was out with the kids and she was going to go pick them up from school. And my wife is funny. I love her. She's amazing. Woman of God. Powerful. Full of grace. She was just up here. I mean, come on. But she doesn't ever fill up the gas in the car. <laughs> she likes to see that light turn on. Any guys, come on, you feel me on this? Any guys in here, any husbands struggle like I struggle? Okay, good. And so she, you know, she, she's skirting that line. She's driving to the school, and she parks the car in the parking lot, waiting for the kids. And wouldn't you know it, the car runs out of gas. So she, um, again, she's amazing. So she figures this thing out. She gets a friend, comes over, gives her some gas, fills her back up, and she gets on her way. 
I find out later that she had ran out of gas. She didn't even call me because she knew I'd say something. <laughs> Again, I told you we're all a work in progress, right? <laughs> and she knew I'd say something. You know what I'm saying, Josh? Like, we just got something to say. It just is what it is. I'm sorry. I had to say it. And I'm like, babe, I should have just been, I should have been kind, you know? And uh, so she, she tells me later. And we're talking. And my kids said something funny. They said, Dad, the car broke today. <laughs> Dad, it broke. It's broke. It don't work. And I said, no, that's not what happened. I said, there was no gas in the car. So it didn't, it didn't break. It just didn't work at that time. Couldn't get where you guys were trying to get to because the designer of that vehicle designed it to work with gas. If there's no gas, it don't work. Oh, okay. Listen, listen. Your family... Your family, your family was designed to work with God. That's the way it was designed. So anytime you remove God out of the family, whether you do that on purpose, intentionally over a long period of time, or you do that in a moment, in an instant, when you're fighting with your wife, when you're disciplining your kids, come on, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to have discipline in your own life, the, God, God, was, God designed the family for him to be right there in the middle of it. Right there in the middle of it. Right there in the middle of it. And if, it's, if he's not there, it don't work. So you got to keep him at the center of your marriage. My, my prayer for you today is that if you're, if you're married in here, if you want to be married in here, if you were married in here, you're, that mar- you're ma- all, come on. marriage was designed by God as a union under God so that God was in it. So keep him in it. If you have kids in here, you need to know this, that, that God was, you need to know. God, God, God lent those kids to you. They're on loan, like layaway, kind of a little bit. Like, they're just, he's going to get them back. And, and um, they're not yours. They're his. By definition, he, he's got to be a part of it. Even your own life, God's got to be at the center of your life. And if it's not, it's not going to work. And so instead of asking God, God, why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it, we do that a lot, right? We go, God, it's not working. God, why isn't this working? Why? Why? You already know why. Because we, we daily remove him out of our lives. So, so my, my prayer for you today, maybe a good step for you would be is to brainstorm with your family. How can we keep God at the center of our lives? What's the vision that you have for your life today? What's the step you can take to be self-aware? And is God, is God, is God, is God at the center of all aspects of your family. That's my prayer for you today.